0: we
1: out of the sample hour um i have a very special guest today you all know him on twitter as at my novelty um or andrew however but basically let me give you a background about this badass motherfucker so he had a paper route at age six then he w- became an underground cereal and cinnamon toothpick store c- and <laughs> he had he ran his own underground cereal and cinnamon toothpick store in sixth grade then he started an underground betting ring in shop class in eighth grade for the NFL playoffs in Final Four. He has an undergraduate degree in business administration with a master's degree in international trade and development, traveled to four of the seven com- continents, which is pretty badass, dude. Lived, traveled extensively in Mexico, owned an international trade business, conducted a grant funded research on conducted grant funded research on globalization, and is now defending liberty in honor of Pee Wee Herman in the basement of the Alamo, <laughs> and he has uh, and it, and what did you say here at the end? Profess and work on startups. Well, on because it,
2: yeah. Well, I, I say that if I pros, if I profess to people and students in particular, then yeah. I am a professor. So that
1: makes sense. And you yeah. also worked on Capitol Hill for how many years?
2: Yeah, I was up there for a couple of years, and it has a little note. The average lifespan is 18 months on Capitol Hill. That place is the ultimate churn system. I've seen people f- fired on the spot. I watched, uh, she's, was it uh, Cynthia McKinney, I think, fire one of her staffers at the door of the elevator because she didn't hold it long enough for the guests to get on when she got on and so, she walked off crying. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty hardcore up there.
1: So, uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the term? Lack of humanity. It's douchey, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just douchey, but all in all, like, it's, like, I was talking to uh, Irish Brian on the last podcast. Like, have you ever read The Magic of Thinking Big by David No, it was, no. It's a great book. It's from, like, the 60s or 70s. It's, like, it's kind of a, it's like a business slash personal growth self-development book. But it's just about, like, thinking big and, I mean, obviously. But it's also, like, it talks about, like, a lot of... Like, some that I see, like, here's the deal. I wasn't alive back then. And, but, like, some that I see now is that, like, all of our corporations and companies are run by, or even politicians. They're all these fucking overpaid bureaucrats that they're not innovators or anything like that. They don't give back to the community at all. And and it's not everybody, but it's, like, a majority of them. And that's how it could have been back in the day. But he just, like, talks about multiple stories about, like, different people that started their own company. And then, like, there was this one story that stuck out in my mind. Which uh, was like how this this guy owned a factory and um, one of his really good workers was having a lot of personal problems like I think his wife left him and he had all this other shit going on and so he shows up to work like fucking plastered and he's just making a big scene at work instead of going down and firing him the guy has like a real like locker room talk with him and just says this isn't you this isn't who you are and this isn't how you normally behave you know, go home, handle your shit, take a week off and come back Monday and be ready to work. And then the guy said, you know, thank you so much. And the guy just like turned his life around. But it's like, we don't have like real conversations like that in the workplace. We don't, or even like just in general, like, I feel like we in general, sorry to get on this tangent right away. But I feel like in general, like we, we stray away from like, just just talking to our fellow human beings about like, just having real conversations with them, even if, it's like a hard conversation to have with someone, but it's something that you should do just because, you know, you care about them. Does that make sense, sorry to get on this. It, huge it,
2: team. it makes absolute sense, and it's. Uh, I would say it's a core aspect of my personality that uh, if if there's something someone doesn't like about me, it's usually that. But I always tell at least you know the people that are close to me that, uh, I'm just gonna. It's R. Kelly real talk style, and <laughs> you may not like to hear it, and I'm not trying to be. Uh, it, derogatory or negative because from my perspective it's all positive that's the whole point in the end because you want to see someone in a different place and so you have a conversation about it. it's not me telling them that they have to do it or that they should do it it's just hey from the outside here's this perspective you know let me tell you what I see and then let's talk about it a lot of people tend to get upset or it's easy for someone to get upset but what and I say this a lot to people is uh, over time, though, if you were right, regardless of how they responded initially, they'll see it. So if yeah. say someone's in a shitty relationship and you're trying to tell them uh, this person's taking advantage of you or and or you are just better than that person and you need to see that. Well, you're not going to change their mind in the spot because that emotions to, in my opinion, the emotional tie is too strong. But three years later when the relationship breaks down you never left them like you weren't one of those friends who just went along for the ride and said oh this is it's okay you can work it out you can make it happen I'm like fuck all that because you really shouldn't be making it happen because it's not good enough for you in the first place or whatever the case is exactly. and so years later uh, you were the one who was actually trying trying to speak the truth as you saw it. So that's the key. It's not that anyone's some sort of all-knowing, all-knowledgeable person who just, like the great sages, uh, the mean sage in history mm-hmm. or the archetypal, you know, the wise one, the Solomon type person. You know, I don't think those people exist necessarily uh, because it's all their subjective opinion on what's happening. And uh, the best people just kind of put it out there and let you— think about it or hear it because it's a sales technique, right? So I've done a lot of sales in my past. Same is, here. Yeah. Okay. So you probably relate to this is yeah. if I come up to somebody and uh, well, first of all, if I come up to somebody and just say like, do you want to buy this shit? It's not, it's not very good. You probably don't want it. Uh, you're not going to buy it. Correct. But uh, if I come in and I'm just honestly letting you know what's going on, Like, I have a passion for this product. So I always tell people you should never sell anything unless you have a passion for it. You actually believe in it. Correct. But if you believe in it, there's no sales involved. You're just talking. You're just letting people know what you see as the truth. And then they interpret it one way or another. But when you're speaking rational-based, like, sense. I don't even know how to put it. Just sense. It's just sense or logic, like. Uh, at some point that person can come back to it and see it.
1: No, I Uh, agree. I think uh, something that always stuck out in my mind, like back to like, don't sell something unless you're passionate about it. And I think uh, Zig Ziglar, I think, said it best when, uh, I think he said like there's a difference between a salesperson and a con man. So a con man can, (laughs) like he said, like if somebody ever said, like somebody ever said to me, you could sell ice to an Eskimo. You're you're not really a good salesperson. You're a good con man. And that, like in that sense, if that, does that make sense? And like, so I, I I completely agree with you. And I think that, um, I don't really have a point after beyond that. I don't know.
2: I don't think either, but, uh, well,
1: I just wanted to, you know, throw a grenade in the conversation. I was like, "Wow, Andrew's saying all this smart stuff." So let me say my two cents, and then like not build on it from there. No, I'm just teasing. But I I think, like, no, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, that's that's just a great point. Is um it's just in general, like, you know, don't do anything unless you believe in it. But back to like what you were saying, like, I'm this, I'm the same about like being honest with people. Like, I'm the same way, like. You know my good friends. Like I would work with people, and it was a weird thing. Like I worked, um, I worked retail, prof- professional retail sales. As the company that I worked for said, it's an evil telecommunications company. It sounds a lot like Horizon. Um, mm-hmm. But
2: hey, I, I worked for, uh, uh, well, d- Direct PV.
1: Real? I've never heard of
2: technical that. Technical support. Okay. Satellite television.
1: Oh and- yeah in there yeah man <laughs> i got you now sorry i'm a little bit slow but um <laughs> but yeah i mean so like similar things i mean like just the fact that we're both kind of tech geeks um but like for me like i would like i remember this girl she was like 20 years old and she was saying how oh, she's gonna get married like came from like a you know more rough past right so she like got with this guy she'd been dating him for a few months and she's like "Oh, i'm getting married And right before our wedding, like, you know, like I'd gotten to know her and, you know, just kind of like helped her out at work just with sales and everything. And I said, look, I want to tell you something because I'm your friend, but it's just my opinion. Whatever decision you make is up to you and I'm going to support you. But I think you're way too young to get married. I think both of you are. And I think you guys should just date and have fun or whatever. But in my opinion, I'm just telling you this because I love you and I support you. But as my opinion, as a friend, like. This is what I want you to know how I feel about this. But it's not that I'm judging you if you decide to make a different decision. Does that make sense?
2: For sure. And I like there's a very important thing you just said that the average person doesn't get when we're talking about real talk, real talk style. Is that explaining as a part of that process of real talk, what it why you are saying that, because most people are used to hearing real talk, but it's because someone's trying to, you know, either manipulate some, something like they're just trying to get you or they're trying to put negative uh, energy on you. And so you're saying like my real talk, I'm doing this to you and I'm saying this to you because I love and care for you. Well, the average person doesn't say that as the caveat to why they're telling them this. And I think that, when you actually that's the real talk that's needed like i'm only saying this because i care about you and love you but by the way your life is still your life to hone and run and manage as you see fit and so i still love and care for you regardless of your poor decisions because you know i've made more than enough bad decisions in my own life so i could never sit there and try to act like someone else isn't doesn't have the same ability or opportunity to make those same poor decisions in their own life because they do
1: correct yeah correct I mean I think that's I think that's uh I mean that's just a big I think feel like that's just something that's missing like just in I I don't I don't know why it's missing but like I don't and I don't pretend to know why but I just feel like like as like a as a human being like that's like a responsibility I feel like I need to have is just to be completely honest with a person like I don't like telling white lies even just because it doesn't line up with who I am.
2: Well, there's a, or go ahead. Sorry.
1: Oh, no, no, no. That's it. I'll let you go. You're my guest. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to take over this conversation and you should take. It's, your,
2: it's your show. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, that, I, I'd
1: rather be interested than interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that uh,
2: there's some. there's a great, uh, I, I want to say it's Mark Twain, but it may not be, but the quote about, you know, uh, you don't, how's it go? The best thing about not telling lies is you don't have something like this you don't have to remember anything. Correct. Because if you tell lies, you have to remember the lie you told in the context of what, in which it was told. And then when you tell multiple lies, you're continually and so then all of a sudden you're leading a manufactured life. Like not that it's just manufactured, it's enormous amounts of energy, time, effort wasted. Absolutely wasted to maintain something that's not in any way shape or form real, and for whatever real means it's not real and so that's why I don't like the concept of lies if i don't well there's always a saying you don't have anything good to say don't say it but uh lying in and of itself creates it's just too much to keep up with like why who wants to keep up with all that shit I don't Nobody. want to so. If I tell the truth, then the next time something comes up, I just continue to tell the truth, and then I don't have to worry about being consistent because I already was. But I always, I've taken like a little cue from uh, Pinjollet, who I'm a huge fan of. Love I'm I mean, a love yeah, Pinjollet. He he always talks about how uh, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a hypocrite because it, we're all hypocrites. In in other words, like. You're we're all free to change our mind, like we can say something one day and then do something another day, and that's okay. But the point is that uh, you're recognizing it, you're admitting it, yeah. I said that then, but I don't believe that now, so you can call me a hypocrite, whatever. But uh, uh I don't know, I like Pim. You ever,
1: no, dude, I, I love Pim. Like, uh, I, I haven't tuned into his podcast in a while just because it's so hard to listen to so many podcasts, like, especially now that. Like I'm trying to book guests, and then I'm editing this podcast a lot, so it, it gets difficult too. Um, but I love, I would just love Gillette in the sense of he. Like I'm not an atheist, so I don't always like he gets a little bit irrational when it comes to atheism. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. I think. Well,
2: what, well, what would you? Why? What would you say would be irrational about it?
1: Um, the only thing that I would say is that it's not to. Okay, let me let me phrase this because it's. I feel like it, it. It's it's almost as if he's created a dogma around atheism, in the sense that it is, like he's more. It's it's more like I, he's not necessarily open to he's not necessarily open to any, any other ideas. Like he doesn't even entertain a possibility, that sort of thing. And I think for me, like I lean heavily to atheism, like don't get me wrong. Like I'm a skeptic, but I think at the same time, I think it's fun to kind of wonder, well, you know, weird things happen in life and like there's things that we can't explain that are going on in life. Now there could be a totally, I'm sure there is a scientific reason for it. And I think that in the end it kind of all adds up together um, but I mean, that's just my opinion. So it's not really, and like, and, and I'm not trying to hate on Gillette at all either. Um, I just think like he, like something like Kennedy said something about like atheist, atheism is a religion, and Penn kind of went all crazy on it. And and I saw Penn's perspective, but I also see Kennedy's perspective because I feel like a lot of times like atheists kind of shut down a lot of ideas that might challenge. Because I feel, I feel like there's a lot of like. Th- I feel like there's a lot of – just because entertaining the – I feel like you have to entertain the unknown, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Like, and I'm not trying to shit because I'm not – definitely not trying to shit on Pendula because I actually love the fact that he (laughs) encourages proselytizing even for Christians. And, like, and Penn is very – like, so he embraces freedom so much that he wants you to believe what you believe. But at the same time, what I respected him because, like, Penn – has principles and pen uses his principles to kind of guide himself which a lot of people don't don't do like i think gandhi said something about and i know he was a racist which i learned from pen gillette but like he said something about like um a man doesn't make a man but principles that he lives by does make who he is if that makes sense i probably butchered that quote but it's something along those lines like it's not you know, there's plenty of great people, but what makes them great are their principles, not necessarily themselves. If that anything, you know what I'm saying at all? Well,
2: and if anything, that just ties back around to kind of a, uh, a libertarian oriented philosophy on life. In other words, the principle, the only, really the only principle I care about in someone else is whether or not they think they have a right or ability to enforce their particular belief or morality. Onto someone else who doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Correct. And that's it. And the people who don't fit that to me scare the fuck out of me. Like, I don't want to be around these people because if they're all for raising taxes on this group of people and physically confronting, that's what people don't understand about, say, the tax debates. I just read today some quote and it's probably taken out of context, but Obama talking about we need to increase revenue. So we need to cut spending, yeah. But we need to increase revenue. Well, first off, the government never cuts spending. So just get this straight. It cuts spending growth. It never cuts spending, and it won't cut spending until there's some sort of just dire consequence right here, just like, say, Greece or something like that. And so he's talking about increasing revenues. Well, revenue obviously is code word for taxes. Well, let's just think in a community setting. So I have my little neighborhood I live in. And let's just say you have a neighborhood, there's 100 people or 100 homes, 100 families in your neighborhood, and you decide, I need to fix up this shit, or I want to invest in this X, Y, and Z, I want to start a school or a hospital, something that seems noble. So you decide, we're going to just raise tax, we're going to raise tax revenue from the people in this community. Well, so you get 51% of your community to, to vote on. This is assuming there's no government or anything involved. 51% vote, yeah, we want to impose a tax on the 49% who didn't vote for it. Well, these 49%, how are you going to get this tax money from them? You have to literally go straight to the door of their house, knock on it. You have to ask them, and let's assume it was an income tax, like a 10%, just flat rate income tax. You have to go knock on the door, you have to go, sir, ma'am, or a couple, partner, whatever – How much money do you make? Oh, you don't want to tell me how much money you make? Okay, by the way, go ahead and just give me your bank account number. Oh, you don't want to do that? Okay, just move out of the way. I'm going to walk into your house. We're going to hack into your computer. We're going to find out all this information. We're going to take it. Then we're going to come to some sort of figure, and then we're going to take a 10% tax. That's what you owe us. And actually, we're going to go ahead and figure out next year's tax ahead of time, and we're going to start taking that from your, your paycheck. And, oh, you don't like that? What are you going to do? Oh, you don't want to pay it? We're going to put you in this cage. We we made this awesome cage in the middle of the neighborhood. We'll put you in it until you want to pay. Sound we, good? Is that and, a deal? Okay.
1: And we own, we privately own that cage, too. Yeah,
2: and we privately own the cage. Which, by the way, uh, I keep plugging this book because it's one of the, the most enlightening books I've ever read in my life, with no exaggeration. And it's... uh Renegade History of the United States by uh, Thaddeus Russell, I think is his name.
1: Renegade History a, of the United States.
2: Yeah, and uh, he's a preeminent history scholar, but the whole concept of the private prison is such an amazing story. He goes into detailing Reconstruction, so after slavery ends in the South, and how the North came down, and they had this problem. And the problem was that he had... Uh, a bunch of freed slaves, but these were freed slaves that were previously on a plantation where all their needs were met. And it's not to say that, the, that that was a great thing or a great setup or anything uh, at all because it wasn't, especially because it was government enforced slavery uh, on top of everything else. But uh, So you had a plantation owner who, for better or worse, still provided some aspect of health care, provided some aspect of food, water and shelter and clothing. Well, what happens when you don't have that system in place anymore? You have people kind of becoming what some people could call a uh, vagrant because that was the term the local authorities came up with for these just random free slaves who were living in the woods, who were just living on street corners. Well, the the authorities, and especially the authorities from up north, they thought, saw this as like idle, sinful wretched behavior like how dare somebody just relax how dare somebody just live in the woods you're not allowed to do that you're supposed to be working so when they just to put it in perspective when they this is according to him and there's a lot of good research built into this and a lot of people this is kind of a real talk thing a lot of people don't want to hear this but uh the average say farm worker in the north worked longer hours on average and worked more days per week on average than someone who worked on a plantation in the south. And on top of that, those workers in the north were subjected to all the local and state and federal laws and could be put into a prison system, Who that prison system at that time was worse than anything we could ever imagine today, ever imagine. If you don't think so, just do a little bit of research on uh, prisons in the 1800s in, in America, just see what it was like. Because if you're a slave on a plantation because you're a property of the plantation owner, you are not subjected to the law, to legal, to the laws and dictates of the community around you. Because if you did something, it was the owner of the property who dealt with it. Well, okay, so all that short, so yeah, all these freed slaves, uh, a lot of them hanging around the streets, delinquency, I guess you'd call it, truancy, Uh, they didn't like it. So they started passing laws against this type of behavior, making them criminals. It kind of sounds familiar already with prohibition and making marijuana illegal. And so now I can go arrest uh, yeah. these Mexican immigrants down in Arizona and the Southwest because we just don't like them. Those we the, don't like them. Those are the Jim Crow laws? I don't know if I'd put that in under Jim Crow, but potentially I guess it, it could be because I think this is more of a northern thing, like oh, gotcha. reconstruction attitude towards what was happening. Like, and the North did not like the idea, not the whole North, but a lot of people in the North and the government in particular at the time didn't like the idea of idle hands. Yeah. So idle hands led to all kinds of sin. Well, we sure hope you don't masturbate with those idle hands (laughs) because that'll give you a lock jaw, a blind eye. And that's the end of it. But so these people are hanging out in the streets. So they passed these laws they started arresting all these people well there's not a lot of prison space for these people so instead this is where the private prison industry has its roots in america was they started farming out these workers i mean these people to work at kind of like, at a wage salary but what would be considered a very suboptimal wage setup in a prison type system Where you're working. So, like, I've known people who have had to serve time and they, you know, like, uh, always get upset at the fact that their labor was used and abused. Like, they were paid 10 cents an hour to make license plates or whatever the case was. Well, in this case, back then, they were making it for a private company who was profiting off that labor. So, slavery just kind of went to the next level with the private prison system in the South for a short period of time with that whole setup where people all of a sudden are quote unquote free to do as they please. Well, we know in America you're just free as do as you're told is the real setup like Bill Hicks said. And so uh, these people get thrown into a private prison to do manual labor for a company who's making a profit off of that labor, but these people are locked up and can't go anywhere. So that's kind of long history short. I would highly recommend uh, reading the book for the long uh long-form uh explanation of all that because it's mind-blowing and i had never heard that before ever
1: yeah ever. I'll, de- I'll definitely check that out i took this class in college called uh american intellectual history it was actually a good class but it was like i was so burned out so i didn't do well in the class but i did actually <laughs> read a lot of this stuff i just didn't that's a whole other story but to get back on topic um to the event did it to say what you were saying about the North, um, we read uh, from the history, like we read the North and South perspective on like, like when we were reading um, like a lot of like freed slaves uh, work, I can't for some reason, like, dude, I can remember what he looks like. But the guy's mind is slipping me or the guy's name is slipping my mind. He um, he like would, he had this thing where, oh, man, what is it? Who was like an intellectual? He was like one of the first intellectual slaves um, or freed slaves. Do not know it
2: was was Frederick Douglass? Frederick uh,
1: Douglass, yeah, late? he was, yeah. So we read Frederick Douglass, but then we we uh, we read this guy George Fitzhugh. Like we just read a little bit of his argument, but then I went and I found his book, and it was called uh, "Cannibals All or Slaves Without Masters," and it was like this big thing, and I and I had to like go the old school way where you you blow up. Uh, I forget even what it's called, but they're on like the little cards, and then yeah. it blows it up. So then I printed it all out. But I I just something that like what you were saying, it made me resonate. It resonated with what you were saying. So if people want to check out this text, it will it will also back up what you just said. But he he referred to the north. He said, you know, we take care. We take care of our slaves better than, you know, the white slaves of the north who work in factories and get paid this much. But then they have to go and pay their own rent. They don't have insurance. I give a stipend to my slaves. that's way larger than anybody that works than any of the white slaves that work at a factory in the north. And I and I just think it's interesting, just because of the way our education system paints this picture in our head of certain things, much like they did with uh, marijuana, like just like just with the fact, oh, it causes brain damage, it does this, it does that, and all of it was just bullshit. And then like it, I think it's interesting that Dare is no longer going to include marijuana. Um, uh,
2: <laughs> well, first of all, if you, if anyone doesn't know this. D.A.R.E. is probably the most bullshit program Correct. Uh, that a school could ever institute. First of all, it doesn't work, and it's proven not to work. It's proven not to work for the past decade. I did a uh, in my abnormal psychology class in undergrad. I did a presentation on the failures of D.A.R.E. That's how I don't know. It's over a decade ago, and uh, it still exists. I didn't even know it still existed.
1: I think it only exists in certain states. I think that...
2: Well, those states can go fuck themselves. Because, it
1: might uh, still be in happens. Ohio. So know, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
2: so... I put this... So here's Dare in, in a nutshell. Is you have someone... And this is the way it was for me. So it's just my experience. But I had a police officer come just to come to class once a week. But the police officer showed up and he his full regalia, his full uniform with a loaded weapon on a side to talk about the medical side of these drugs, like what these drugs can do to you in a in a medical realm yeah and i'm thinking when i'm sick i don't go to a police station for help so why Mm. the hell is a police officer talking to me about the the medical or the scientific effects of these these various substances in the human body, it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it makes sense because it's authority and it's control, and it has a gun and there's little kids and so they're supposed to listen to that and it it's really to me it's disgusting it's disgusting If I had kids and the school they first of all I don't think they'd go to a government school, but if they were and they had a program like that, they would not be in it not for a second. Uh, or at least I'd make sure to counteract it but I just hate the idea because it's a it's beyond brainwashing because it's command and control when you yes. have like someone with a gun talking you listen
1: that's so interesting and I never even thought about that cuz I always thought all oh, my dare guy, all my dare police officers are so cool but it also it also not only does it indoctrinate you cuz they didn't you, shoot you correct but like something else that it also indoctrinates you into thinking that police are always on your side Police. Yeah, right. And that's like the crazy thing is, you know, um, you know, laws I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about revenue and like you know, Obama saying we need revenue. I mean, that's why his police officers have quotas on DUIs and uh fucking well, like don't get the me cameras, wrong, we shouldn't drink and drive, but yeah, the cameras. But even what's more fucked up is most states that use those cameras, like Toledo, Ohio, uses those cameras. But all that money doesn't even go to the city. Most of it goes to like Arizona, where those cameras are from.
2: Yeah, it's something like it seems like I've seen numbers of forty percent going back to those companies, you know, who own that technology or did the installation. But and there's there's study after study after study that these cameras don't actually reduce crime. They don't reduce oh. crime fatalities. None of it. So.
1: It just raises revenue for the state. And it's like a dirty way. Like, here's what was interesting. Like, something else that made me think about it. When I was in college at the fine institution of the University of Toledo. Yak. Hey, hey, what's
2: up? (laughs) What's up, UT?
1: What's up, UT? Uh, Actually, there was some good professors there. I don't want to shit on it. um, Because there are some actually really good professors that are there. But just, I think, just the environment in general or just the administrators are fucking idiots. So, but, and
2: by the way by the way that's always from my experience in the higher education system uh you're always going to have a huge gulf between administration and professors and uh that's the case even for a lot of professors themselves like there's always this constant power struggle because administration wants they feel like they should have more say in the classroom or more say for what's going on whereas the professor thinks the exact opposite like this is my classroom, this is my course, this is my material, these are the things I'm saying, so I should have control over it all. So just so I mean that's a legitimate thing that, that takes place.
1: It's just the fight for control. Yeah. Ultimately. Um but so we had all these bus routes, so you wouldn't necessarily have to drive your car around and park. So what UT decided to do to raise revenue was eliminate bus routes and like so have less bus drivers and have bet less bus routes, but then beef up parking enforcement, which was just, it, which was so fucking annoying. They were called a uh, rocket patrol. <laughs> and, and all they would do is go around and put tickets on cars. And so like, there's this one dude and I fucking like, and he, and I found out I was an RA and I was like a pretty, like my whole philosophy was, look, I hate doing this fucking paperwork. I don't like busting people, but guess what? If you put me in a situation where I have to do it, I'm going to make sure you get busted because I don't like filling out the paperwork, but my job depends on the fact that I do this paperwork well. So listen, don't fuck with me and I won't fuck with you. Don't be stupid. Don't drink in the hallway. What I don't know isn't going to hurt me. So just don't let me know. So if I would ever discover that one of my residents had beer just because I fucking invaded their privacy, I would never write them up. And I would just be like, you know what? I invaded your privacy that's on me i'm not supposed to know about this so anyways besides me you know saying how fucking awesome an ra i was well me- that is
2: pretty awesome good for you
1: <laughs> thanks man enough of me patting myself on the back though but there's so there's this guy he was like one of the heads of rocket patrol and he lived in my building and, and
2: which which by the way that's the gayest in a non-homosexual sense
1: I think, I don't know. I Nate, think
2: you could ever come up with the rocket patrol.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think rocket patrol does kind of sound like men wanting to have sex with each other. I'm they not. Gonna... Really, well, okay. Maybe it is red, <laughs> red rocket Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were blue. Oh, which is even better. The blue rocket patrol. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and I just remember this guy, like, cause they would also like come and jump your car. So I was having some battery issues and this dude gave me some lip about it. And I was like, really, motherfucker, like, don't you think that your job and I remember just going off and I'm like, don't you think that my I'm fucking paying for your job? So guess what? You're here to serve me. You're not here to just give out speeding like parking tickets just like you think you are. So I remember one time like he didn't have his ID to come into the building and I made the biggest fucking stink about it just to let him know. And it was like something like back in the day, like I used to be way more aggressive, and like I and my emotional intelligence just wasn't there. And uh, so I think that, like, it, just to cut off this boring story that I'm seeing, but I think, like, in hindsight, that probably wasn't the best decision that I made, like, just as a representation of myself. But this dude knew, like, look, don't fuck with me because I could fuck with you worse. And that was, like, my whole thing that I wanted him to know just because of my ego got a little inflated. But anyways, I digress, Andrew. Let's talk about more interesting things. Something that you have to say, but, um, like just about emotional intelligence, I guess I just kind of want to get your opinion about it. Cause you were just saying about schools and I think that, and I was saying to like something, um, with one of another guests on my podcast about how I feel like a big issue with schools in general is just the fact that like most of the teachers there, like they don't go under, they're not under any tests for emotional intelligence or any like psychological exams because I think most teachers are kind of fucked up man like I remember I had some really fucked up teachers that like I would get I got picked on a lot when I was in middle school I mean it's not that it wasn't warranted either but I just felt like the teachers weren't helping at all and I feel like you know this whole bullshit issue about bullying and cyberbullying. it's just like if we had good teachers in our school systems I mean that would solve a lot of issues
2: well and you're talking primarily K through 12 then
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, one thing I I, I love to make this point, it, it excites me to make this point. This is a little off, it's related oh, just tangentially is that uh K through 12, if you're public school, you have teacher union, right? Absolutely. Everyone knows this. Uh and it's no surprise that America ranks in any kind of like international testing Usually we fall about 30-ish, plus or minus. No, not the top. By far, far and away, not in the top 10. But when you go to the university, the higher education system in America, we have hands down the best. The best. No one touches it. That's why, if you just look at the numbers, how many people tried to come here and study from other countries. And uh, what is lacking at the... uh, that higher education level unions it's a decentralized network not only is it a decentralized network it's a network that also uh is based on school voucher system yeah so the university system you get government grants you get government money to go to any school you want to religious or not religious and we're still alive we're still yeah. here And we actually have the best system in the world. Then you go K through 12. It's the exact opposite. So like to be a professor, you have to meet certain, you know, certain qualifications that are meaningful for the job. So if you're going to teach a management course, you need to probably have a graduate degree in management or significant uh, experience in the field itself. And you can teach that course. Makes sense, right? I don't think anyone disagrees with it. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, if you go to high school, and this is actually a true case. I can't remember the state. It seems like it was Montana or Wyoming, but you had someone who was a lifelong engineer who was extremely successful uh, as an employee at an engineering company and worked his way up and was beloved in his job. Was beloved and you know by his community for his dedication to educating people in engineering and mathematics. So he wanted to go back to high school after he retired to be a teacher, to give back to his community. And he wanted to do it for free. He just wanted to volunteer. He didn't want to get paid or anything. It was only for the kids and the education.
1: Like Steve you know Wozniak. Told them?
2: Yeah. Well, you know what they told them? You don't have a teacher's teaching license. So until you go back to school, until you go back and get this license, You're not allowed to teach here.
1: That's bullshit. He
2: he could walk into any university and teach, but he couldn't teach in the high school level.
1: Yeah, that's bullshit, man. I think that's uh, it's yeah. I think that's interesting. I mean, like I was talking with um, Irish Brian 420, which I don't know if you've interacted with him at all. He's a very uh, what's up? He
2: he's my Irish blood uh, boils with excitement every time I see him on there. So
1: you know, he's like you know, he's only 19 years old.
2: I figured he was younger. I you know the great thing about Twitter is I don't give a I don't give a fuck about how old anyone is. Correct. Unless there's some sort of weird legal thing. Correct. But... We
1: actually need to figure out a way to get that motherfucker a scholarship to go to a university so he can come to the States because he totally wants to come. I I totally want to get him over in the States, so we need to figure out a way to do that. So we'll Let's have to talk. It. Yeah, because he I mean either get him to come to Ohio State or come somewhere in Texas, like he wants to come. He's, like, eager to learn and everything else like that. So, I mean, I, I loved talking to him when I did. I mean, he's just very, um, very insightful for his age. But back to what him and I were talking about was just, like, just unions and why America has a bad taste in their mouth about trade unions versus Europe does, like Europeans do. And he was, like, just saying, like, why you know, something that they can't understand as to why we're not riding in the streets about anything, you know, how education costs have gone up and everything else like that. Like in Europe, like they want education to remain free. And here we all know that we have to pay, but there's always that, like that debate, which is something that you were just addressed. Um, so what, something I had said, I'd read somewhere, I forget who I think, oh man, I can't remember. His name is Bob. No, it's not Bob. It's something I, I, Porter Stansberry, like his little daily crux thing, I saw a link and the guy was basically saying that unions wouldn't be a bad thing if they actually had to compete with each other. So if you had like, let's say you had multiple teachers unions and that teachers union would compete with that, you know, like with that thing. I think for teachers, it's not nearly as important as like machinists or something like that. But if unions could compete with each other and compete for jobs, it would be way more beneficial and it would cut down the cost of labor and everything else like that. So I know it hits you with like five different things there.
2: <laughs> well, let me tell a, a great uh, anecdotal. It is anecdotal a story from one of our neighbors in our neighborhood uh, who I love to death this is a great guy. He was telling a story about how, and he's older. So this is probably in the, who knows, 50s maybe or 40s. And I think he was working at an A&P grocery store. Which used to run shit back in the day for grocery stores. If you don't, if you've never heard of it. Uh, and it used to be considered the monopoly of all monopolies when it came to groceries. Well, uh, he was part of the union at the grocery store. And uh, from his telling, he was back, you know, doing stock work or something. And he just fucked up. He said that he knew what he was doing. He purposely took a shortcut. He purposely just didn't really care. And because of his poor actions, some box or something fell on him, cut his arm. I think there was just blood. Like that was the point, one way or another. Well, as soon as the union dude on premises saw this, because he was just the union leader, which is fighting for any reason to be antagonistic to the employee, to the employer. And so he saw blood. He said within seconds before he could even tell the story about it was his fault. The, the union leader put out the red alert. The entire store went on strike to demand better working environment. All because this dude purposely did something that he knew wasn't a good action. And so that's the whole co-opting for the power structure, the power grab. And yeah. that's why we see union, like the union worker who's actually working their ass off and they're that machinist or the plumber or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, I don't fault them for doing what they think's best. And now I would still argue that it's not to their benefit to be in the union, but whatever, right? They're actually doing the work, so whatever they want to do. But it's those fucks that are running the union who are taking those trips to Hawaii, who are spending the union dues Correct. on some political issue that no one actually cares about or wants to see enacted, who are just causing fights because they want uh, – it's an ego fight. And so union, unionists, like the people as part of the organization of the union, are no different than the political class. Like the idea that we have a political class in America or that anywhere there's a class of people who aspire for their life's goal to be a politician is disgusting, is destructive, and totally counterproductive to society becoming a better place And evolving to a place of prosperity, evolving to a place of cooperation, evolving to a place of true peace uh, between people. Because as soon as you have this structure where there's a class of people, that's their identity. I'm a Kennedy. I have to be in politics. You know, I'm a Clinton. I have to be in politics. And that's bullshit because when you're in politics, you're not doing anything of any value, of any productiveness, you know, for the rest of society – same thing with these union dudes they're running some organization they're making millions of dollars they're getting you know it's the whole fat cat thing but it's union bosses you know go watch the movie half of a jack nickle uh jack jack nicholson wait jack nicholas like, which one's a golfer
1: uh jack nicholas is the yeah, golfer okay. jack nicholson jack Nicholson's the Yo- actor. <laughs> isn't uh I, I don't know why isn't joe pesci in that too
2: uh, joe pesci's bad i just watched raging bull yeah and- Joe Pesci is so good and Robert De Niro is so good and if you've never seen the movie Raging Bull it has to become uh, at straight to the top of your list of movies you need to see yeah
1: it's all I'll time good. I'll, uh, I'll have to check that out man I don't think I've actually ever seen it I've seen like all the like I've seen Casino, you know, Goodfellas and all that shit, but I've never actually watched Raging Bull. I guess they're making a part two and they're having like legit what? actors in it. Yeah, like I guess but they actually have like actors, like big name actors in it. Um, which is interesting. So I haven't really done much research on it. I think I heard about it on a podcast, so it could be full of shit, Andrew. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, who knows? We all are, I think.
1: But uh <laughs> I was gonna know. I was gonna add to like the union thing, like I think that's that's interesting that you point that out because that's the same thing that like like I come from like a total blue collar family. Like my dad's in a union. All my uncles they work on the pipeline. But like what's interesting is is like gas unions are very different than like factory unions. Like they regulate themselves way harder than like most unions do. And I think it's that's what's interesting is like I'm not I'm not a, like there needs to be regulations in place done internally. But unfortunately, like they, that just doesn't happen. And it's, it's just like, I I feel like there's this, this blind trust of, you know, well, you know, the people above have the best interest for me or, you know, the, the, the congressman and, and the president, they, they care about us, but it's like, no, they fucking don't. Like all they care about is their bank account. Like they are not any, they're not creative. Like in the, in the end, if it's going to be you or them, most chances are, most people aren't going to take responsibility and they're going to throw you under the bus. And it's that's just, right. and like, and, and that, that's something that's very different about me is like, I'm always going to own up to, um, throw myself under the bus, even if it's somebody that I was working with that happened, but guess what? I got broad shoulders. I'll take the heat for it. Much like, uh, um, what, I don't know, just to do a plug on, you know, Penn Sunday school, but that was something Penn Jillette said when they had like Corolla and Arsenio Hall on, like in that, uh, in the, uh, celebrity apprentice, um, somebody, like, I guess, uh, what's-his-face from Star Trek actually picked out these clothes, but Arsenio took the blame and said he did. And, like, so when they were given all this heat and Arsenio went on the chopping block, Um, it was actually Arsenio... Arsenio was actually taking heat for George Takei, which was kind of like it shows his character, which is why everybody loves Arsenio Hall. But I digress, Andrew. That wasn't really that important. but it, <laughs> But it kind of is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, like, there's a lack of character in our society. Like people don't have character or even a sense of morality, which I don't like to use just because people like just be from the fucking idiots that are like, Oh, we're a Christian nation. And we never were a fucking Christian nation. Like we never were founded on Christianity, which drives me fucking insane. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, well,
2: yeah, because the reality is we were founded on individuality the individual that's that's what and there's a huge segment of the population that sees the word individual as a hate like that's a hate crime to be an individual you're not allowed to do that because then you you're ignoring the group needs and what about those of us who can't you know i can't do that so you need to do it for me and i'm thinking well first of all selfishness needs to come back into uh existence as a positive word because more people need to be selfish for their own lives it's your life you own it you live it you have to be responsible for it i.e you need to be selfish in regards to the things the action you take the words you say the things you do to better yourself because it's your life like that's what you're responsible for so be selfish on it, but this whole thing about getting into yeah the the moralism I mean yeah I don't know I can't handle that I can't handle someone else maybe that's my Irish blood well uh,
1: no but, like but uh, i I think it's it's important to like it's like we need to like I'm all about being independent but it's it's just something you like it was part of that conversation that Guess what, guys? You missed because we actually talked in my novelty for about 40 minutes before we even <laughs> recorded. But something you said it had a lot to do with interdependence versus independence. And I think, like, we were talking about Death Squad and how, like, within the fan community, like, there's no, there's really no leadership. We're just in this together. And I think it's like, you know, it's helping each other out or, you know, just like what we were saying about Irish Brian, like, let's find a way to get Irish Brian over here to go to school. Like, he didn't ask me to do this, but. I know he wants to come to the States and he wants to go to university. Like he's eager to learn. So I'm going to take the initiative to try to help him. Like he hasn't even asked me and I haven't even fucking asked him if that's okay with him, but I don't give a shit because I like him and I know he has a goal and you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah,
2: yeah. And so check this out. So this is, this leads perfect into something in the, this is a business thing, but I've kind of turned it into a life thing. It's called the platinum rule. Like, Honestly, once again, this is real. T- like the golden rules kind of bullshit because the golden rule says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Like I actually disagree with that a hundred percent.
1: You should do unto others. On that, sorry to interrupt. Did you hear when he said unless you're into S and M, you don't want to do that to other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that because I know you love Pendulette, but I'll let you finish your point.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, Power Pen uh, always has it right, but. uh, is the whole idea is you need to take it, upgrade it to the platinum rule. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would, they would have you do unto them. So look, Irish Ryan, he's already put it out into the universe like I want to be in America, let's just say. Or he's put this thing out there and he has this goal out there. So now the people around him that know who he is, that care about him, want to see something positive, want to help him to his goal, then they're going to do that. It's not my goal to go from Ireland to America. It's his. So I'm going to do to him as he wants to be done to him. If he doesn't want to go to America, then I'm not going to try to make him come to America. That would be ridiculous. But that would be the golden rule, like, oh, I think it's best to come to America, and that's what I would want someone to do for me, so I'm going to do it for him. Uh, I don't really understand how that makes any sense. I don't even understand how that's become a meme that everybody uh, agrees with because it's it's beyond irrational. It doesn't. It, I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you get it?
1: Uh, yeah. I I, I don't understand it because I'm actually you know aware of things, <laughs> but I think the reason why people say it is it's just like hey, don't be shitty to other people. And I think, like, instead of, like, saying... Well, say that, then. Exactly, and I agree, and it's just something that we were talking about with bullshit censorship. Um, it, you know, like, it, don't be shitty to other people. Like, don't be a cunt to other people. Like, you know, treat people, you know, tip people well. Do that thing, you know. Put put good things out there because you would want somebody to do help you in your endeavors, which is pretty much the platinum rule, which is what you're saying. But unfortunately, you know, do unto others as you want to be done is just like it's like simpleton language. And I think it's just like a, it's like, a, I don't know, maybe like emotional judo in a sense like you're trying <laughs> to play to your emotions to control you. I and mean, I forget who was saying it, it was something about like the uh, man. It was in some book I was reading or something I was listening to. Like they were talking about how the Catholic Church. Oh, is Jordan Maxwell. Have you ever checked out Jordan Maxwell? No. Well, uh, If you look, if he's like really into the occult and he's really into like exposing the Illuminati and the Catholic Church, like he's really like a lot of people rip off his information and they don't give him credit. Like he's been on Alex Jones a couple times. So he's like, you know, you don't want to listen to him too much because you want to kill yourself. But like he he points out a lot of good points, like something that like with the Roman, like with, with the in Rome, they knew if they could get a boy or children at a young age that they could control the way they'd they could control their thought process for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? Like, just because like they knew when to imprint you with that sort of thing. So like, that's what I mean by emotional judo, not to get too far off the topic, but so even though you just asked me for a yes or no answer and I went off on this tangent, (laughs) no, I don't like, I understand where it's coming from, but I don't agree with it. Just like what you were saying.
2: Yeah. And the, uh, it's, it's just strange. I mean, it's strange that this idea of being an individual to certain people is the worst thing that could ever be imagined. And so going back to, you're talking about the death squad concept or ethos of the death squad. Like one reason I was kind of saying this off the uh, off air was that uh, it's appealing to me because it's the concept of the decentralized network. Uh, So anonymous works on the same scale, the free market works on the same scale. So you don't need any kind of governmental authority to make the market work perfectly because it'll work. Competition is what works the cunts out of the process. Like you have, you have these, someone competing against someone else, and if someone's worse than another person, slowly they recede into the depths of history uh, unless you have something called corporatism where you have a governmental authority come in and artificially support and prop up that company which obviously has been happening in enormous amounts over the past uh, well, since the end of Bush's second term, you know. So how long is that? Uh, we're going to eight years ish with it's, all the bailouts, yeah. and the Wall Street stuff. Like I am a hundred percent beyond free market. Like I'm an anarcho-capitalist. You put labels, whatever, but I'm, my idealism is in anarchy, is in the concept of a voluntary society. Well, markets, a free market helps that take place. You don't need rulers and you don't need, this is a meme. The concept of government itself is a meme that's imprinted onto people, just like you were saying, right from the beginning. No one questions. You know what everyone says, I I keep saying this a lot uh, because it pisses me off, is the first thing someone says when I go, man, could you imagine how great it would be? if uh, you could live your life in a positive way where you're not hurting anyone else, you're not preventing someone else from seeking their own happiness, but we all none of us have a government authority that's trying to control and manipulate our, our actions. The average person goes, well, what about the roads?
1: Yeah, no, that's... And
2: what, what about the roads? <laughs> it's roads, they're being built. Do you not think there were roads before there was a centralized government in action? Like, is can we really be this ridiculous that this is the biggest argument someone has against devolving the concept of absolute authority over other people's lives? Is goddamn roads? Are you serious? Roads will be built if there's a need for roads. That's the end of the story, and that's how markets work. But, uh, you know, once again, I think I'm a one out of a million person on that concept, but...
1: No, I I agree to a lot of with a lot of that, man. I think that's uh that's always something that people come at you with is, you know, what about the roads? But I, I but that's something you were saying. I mean, like here's the deal. If a fucking company needs roads to be built, they're going to build the goddamn roads. I mean, and that's the thing, but I think what people what freaks people out about that is just because of this the only idea I think a lot of people have of free market is this instilled corporatism that which I think has actually been going on longer than like it's more obvious now, but I think it's been going on for a super long time and i I'd say since since uh my buddy's listening, he's kind of distracting me, but it's been going on for a super long time, and uh I don't and I think that's that's where the fear comes into play I mean we have a culture built on fear um and i and I think you know people like that's always the debate, well, who's gonna build the roads, who's gonna do this? so what you just and and everybody thinks that people are gonna go fucking ape shit if if there's no societal authority, but I think and that what like but I think like in like yeah, like New Orleans was fucking crazy when like all the hurricane went down, but like in my area, like this past summer, power went out for good. Over two weeks, and guess what? Everybody pretty much got along. But the thing is, too, I think, I think it's just like people don't realize that you know, water's still going to come to your your faucets. There's still going to be grocery stores. We're still going to have food. There's still going to be things in place. And I think people are more afraid of like the greed and everything else than anything, than anything.
2: Well, and that would be something to explore is like what is wrong with greed when it comes to profit making? Like just because you're making a profit. That's it's a fallacy to say that because someone's making any enormous amounts of profit, that there's something nefarious going on. That's a fallacy. It's not true. Could yeah. it be sometime? Maybe. But you need to be able to identify it, point it out and then prove it to me.
1: No, I completely agree. But anyways, brother, I could talk to you for about five <laughs> more hours. We got the Andy Evans hour that's coming up soon. Nice. Andy, actually, I think, wants to say hi to you. So here's Andy. What's up, Andy. Who am I talking to right this now? This is my novelty.
2: Andy, Andrew, and Drew.
1: Yeah, his name's Andrew as well. No, time out. Time, <laughs> out.
2: <laughs> you, you got time out. Time out. Time out. Take Who's... another shot. Take another shot. <laughs> uh, no! Oh, stop it
1: right now. Clearly Who... we can tell. This is my buddy. He's from San Antonio, Texas. He is. Check this out, Andy. No, Paper no, no, out no, 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 Hold six. on.
0: Time out. Time out, Drew. Time out. <laughs> Who is the gentleman... Before me that speaks
1: This is Andrew No no
0: no no, no. I'm asking him Who's him <laughs> Who Who is this gentleman right now Before me that speaks And is kicking it with Drew Sample Political style oh, political What is gentleman Gentleman <laughs> your name OG. What, He is
2: what, a what, political timeout. OG what? He worked
0: on Capitol Hill Political OG
2: I, I, That's my that, Twitter handle what, political
0: is OG. <laughs> what is your name sir
2: Political
0: OG. Yeah. Political OG. All right. Uh, All right. right. Andy, All Andy right. we got to
2: right. wrap this up.
1: All right.
0: All right. Wait, here, here's here's the thing.
1: Polit- Ask Polit- Shoot. Shoot. Political what is it? OG.
0: Political OG. Um, I have been listening to you for the
1: last five minutes.
0: Three or four minutes.
1: Nice.
0: And I have been listening to you talk to my boy, Drew, here. Drew oh. Sample. And, and
2: isn't he such you- a good guy?
0: Uh, Dude, he's he's awesome. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, this guy, he's seriously, he is one of only a handful of few that I know in my life that can not only get down and dirty when it comes to politics
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and talk about the real deal. Yeah. All right. Because, no, let me tell you something
2: here. Tell it. Tell it. Speak it. <laughs> speak it, brother. Preach. Here, here,
0: here's the thing. All right. Drew, Drew not only can get down on politics, and he is very down and dirty. Like, like, like entrenched, like his hands are in mud. In mud. And just bringing them up. Political style.
2: Straight up, straight up the <laughs> asshole.
0: But, <laughs> you know, maybe he puts his.
1: Yeah, we won't even. We won't. We that. won't even go into that. We but, won't. There's a backstory. But
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> there's
2: a backstory to assholes. Being uh, there
1: is, there Here's is. the
0: thing: is that is that as long as I've known Drew, he um, he really is entrenched in what is going on in the world affairs.
1: So is this guy? And this guy no, is no, and, and I'm
0: not saying that he. And, and, and Drew, 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 and Drew. Because yes. it's 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 the three Ds. In fact. This is the D, D, and D.
1: <laughs> Triple D. Triple D.
0: Triple D up in your motherfucking face.
1: Yeah.
0: Hour. Now.
1: I got to wrap this Drew up. Drew sample? Yeah. I know you do. Another hour, you mean. Oh, hold,
0: yeah. on. hold on. I know. I know. And, and we about to get crazy on some college... Football recruiting here in a minute. But... Oh hell no. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Oh so, man. yeah, but
2: no, you but know did you hear about that guy from that high school in Texas?
1: Oh hell no. No, did you hear
0: about the uh, kid out in uh-huh. Stupidville, Ohio?
1: Yeah, he knows about Stupenville. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> look, look,
0: look, point is is that uh um I really wish that things were as simple as they are in our country i wish that things were as cut and dry as they are in our country but the fact is they're not
1: no i I think that they're not but that's that's the problem is that they're really simple but people can't like there's other factors but andy we got to wrap this up brother drew we'll got to say this drew drew yes
0: yeah, I'll what's that? About this in five minutes. We're gonna
1: talk about this in minutes, but five minutes. But anyways, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get downstairs. I'm gonna meet you downstairs, brother. Oh, <laughs> dude, you gotta take those headphones off first. All right. Oh uh,
2: shit! Make sure he doesn't trip on that shit. Oh, uh, he already
1: tripped and landed on my bed, but it's all good. But anyway, what's
2: he drinking by the way.
1: Oh, uh, we've had lots of Jaeger and then some beers, but he is fucking full of joy and he like has a degree in journalism and I fucking love him so that's that's why he's got the andy evans hour but anyways
2: powerful andy evans hour
1: right yeah he's osu and ae on twitter but he doesn't use his twitter like enough but uh but anyways there's a whole other story andrew thank you so much for your time man thanks uh thanks for giving me two hours of your busy busy schedule um people can follow you on twitter it's at mindnovelty.com. you also have a, a pretty awesome blog what's the blog
2: yeah, the blog, I would do it at mindnovelty.com. So check that shit out. And uh, it's just a fun thing on the side. I throw stuff up as I uh, have some time to put an article together, which the most recent one, by the way, was on hempcrete. And uh, if you don't know what hempcrete is all about, this is basically a concrete made of hemp. The Romans used it. It's in modern green building technology right now. It's really advanced, cutting edge, cool shit. You should check that out as uh, a post I just put up recent. So, uh,
1: but yeah, you know, good times. Yeah, let's do this again soon. Um, probably within the next couple of weeks because I could talk to you. I mean, like, conversation is just flowing. But anyways, brother, I love you. Thank you so much for getting on, and I'll talk to you off air about um, about uh, well, we got to get Irish Brian into the states. So yeah, hey. for sure.
2: And thanks, man. And thank on the record. Thanks for having me on. I really oh, appreciate yeah. it. it. Means a lot. And you guys are all awesome up there. So oh, Ohio desk squad shout out to everybody. Oh shit,
1: man! Thanks. It's all our honor. But, anyways, thanks for uh, tuning into to another episode of the Sample Hour and check out the Andy Evans Hour, which is going to be right after this podcast. Thank you guys so much. There's
3: a lot of work to be done. Oh, gosh. give the promise.
4: Nice. I love it. I love it. One, play. I'm going to I mean, shoot it right, just right
3: now. Yeah. Concrete to boy, love it boom you know 14 i my next summer i mean i did the moves in steam i mean for them on and lean. i mean not when man in i mean like them can your regime i mean ethiopia na like mo i mean queen of the rock i me i mean i jump on and boost up our self-esteem, no I mean. Not for one, the home and kitchen so clean, no I mean. And rich recipe that has team, no I mean. The lyrics in my flow like a stream, no I mean. Make you feel like you're living in a dream, no I mean. It come to the crap, man, I'm free, I mean. It come to discipline, man, I'm deep, I mean. Be careful, man, I'm homony, man, I'm seen, mean. We're stepping, we fresh, and we're clean, mean. clean, I mean. A thinking, so free, I burn the stink, I'm so green, I mean. Better listen I be careful, I'll clean, I mean. I put on as a rocket, I'll come in. Oh, 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 oh,
4: Celebrate like I finished probation, boy, boy. Not a head with no chaser, so boy boy. From the mouth, I can spit out a razor, boy, boy. Open up your facial like your boy Roy in his prime. Eat food, dinner time. Junior gun has get us. Handle bitters? black belt. Well, Females never bitters, well us, but well, they witness. Cause we arrive on the scene just like a high beam, I mean. don't of us have to make the night screen, I mean. At the racial policing regime, I mean Spiritual well, like an Elohim. I mean In a casino where we got Whatever I'm seeing, my brothers and sisters are never forgotten. Nah, I me. Mean. Don't wanna hear another surfing drop, nah, I me. Mean. Another dope addict get shot with the morphine. And feds are indicting my block, nah, I me. Mean. They're wearing reds from their shoes to their top, nah,
3: I me. Mean. I'm wishing that all the rocks would stop, nah, me. I mean. well, like this song, I'm nah, me. I saw why white soft like ice cream, nah, me. From a boy, make the pets in top, you know, me. Wishing I would ever take him, try to nah, me. Parallel, I'm never eat your green, i spleen, me. You know, green's Man, we real blood the world is Mr. you Mr. Minister. Mr. Minister. Mr. Minister. Mr. Minister. Mr. you Mr. Mr. I know how we with queen. Trash the bond, no mean, I went to hell with McQueen. Trashful devouring in a camouflage green. Look at them, we can't go the places we've been. Look at them, we can't sit beside where so we've seen. That's why them face all that miss up on the lean, I mean. Every time I make it get half clean, I mean. When a gangster just like campaign, I mean, them gang start to go jet puts up, you know I mean. Oh, you want coming? come can be, you know I mean. A curly up your rock and come in, I mean. me forget them green like curly, you I mean. We me regular fly out and fly, in. know mean. This game don't fuck like Satin, I mean. You're just supposed to be the boss of Wolnichafean. I know to retinone, try histamine. Watch over for them for me like histamine. You think I like with my dad, Donald Pacino, I mean.
4: It's genocide, it's a genocide, it's a genocide, it's a genocide. Fifth floor, cooking raw, I have my own supply. Cause of capitalist ways, that was back in the days. So now I do rap and it pays. I want this video ever. with over 11,000 sounds at DoubleBeast.com.